Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Screen Talk in 2015. This is our 28th episode. I'm Eric Cohn, the chief film critic and deputy editor here at IndieWire, and I'll be joined momentarily by my colleague and friendly sparring partner, Ann Thompson, from Thompson and Hollywood and also IndieWire's editor-at-large out in L.A. We want to remind people, of course, that you can subscribe to weekly updates from the podcast on iTunes and leave a review there to let us know what you think. You can also reach us on Twitter. I'm at Eric Cohn and Ann Thompson is at AK Stanwick. We've got a lot to talk about this week. It's been a little while since we last got together, but mainly we're focused on the Oscar nominations, which are just around the corner. The next time that we record an episode, the Oscar nominations will be out. So this is the last time when we can really start to uh, dig through the possibilities before we have a much more limited set of, of, of options. Remember, you can also go to IndieWire.com to browse our Oscar season pages where you can find all kinds of different predictions for all the different categories. And stay tuned on Sunday, we'll be covering the Golden Globes in real time. But for now, on with the show. A while since we last checked in, uh, more than a couple of weeks, I guess, but we're still in Oscar mode and we're still gearing up for Sundance. Anne, how are you holding up on your end? Oh, it was great to have a break. I went back east. I, you know, I saw the Matisse exhibit at MoMA. I walked down Fifth Avenue. I went to see Bradley Cooper in um, The Elephant Man, and he was quite good, along with Patricia Clarkson. She was good. And um, naked, by the way, uh, partly. And uh, also uh, saw the um, awesome uh, Jake Gyllenhaal in Constellations with Ruth Wilson. So I had a culturally rich break and took a uh, didn't work as hard as usual, and now I'm back to the old grind. Sometimes it is important to unplug a little bit, although I do think it's interesting how when you live in a world of movies, you see them everywhere. I mean, I went on vacation to Seattle where my folks live, and we went out to uh, Mount Baker for a couple of days and stayed in a cabin and went skiing. And the whole time I was going up in the ski lift, just kind of surrounded by this white fog, and I started thinking about force majeure, you know, which has been a movie people have been talking about. And suddenly everybody around me was just sick of hearing me talk about this movie. And I realized, you know, (laughs) I don't know if it's a disease or if it's just in my DNA, but when you watch movies and you get really excited about new movies in particular, I think they continue to inform your world, you know, on a yearly basis in this really fascinating kind of way that just sort of melded to who we are as people, you know. And it's actually, it's, it, that's what makes it so exciting to continue to talk about Oscar season this year, because these movies, this year in particular, are, are mostly really good. I mean, we agree about a lot of the front runners and we like them. And so it's really exciting to, to come back to the Oscar season conversation, and we're one week away from the nominations. The next time we record a podcast, the nominations will be out, and we're talking about, you know, Boyhood still being a front runner for Best Picture. Yeah, I went to the boyhood uh, party last night. One of the things that um, wasn't clear when uh, boyhood broke out at Sundance a year ago was whether IFC, which financed the film over 12 years and decided that they would release it themselves and would step up 
to a major Oscar campaign, you know? And the trick with these things is that they don't always work out. You have to do everything right. You have, and last night, Jonathan Searing, who's the head of IFC, who made that commitment, who was looking anxious but happy, which is the state of mind that a lot of people are in right now, um, was basically saying, you know, Nothing is certain until, you know, the fat lady sings and, and he's hoping he didn't, you know, uh, mess it up. But but you never know. And, and I think they did a great job. I think they really held their their uh, their their faith in the film and backed it up appropriately. And they're back doing a whole another round of 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 press and and public appearances right now. But one of the things that he said was that it's the movie and he is right in a way. The movie is the reason. And when you look at the, the director's uh, panel that they put on at the uh, Hollywood Reporter, where all the directors are talking, um, you could just see, and there's some other places where it's evident also, you can just see the extraordinary admiration that the directors have for, for Linklater for taking this plunge and, and this risk, this right. huge risk. And he also exists in a certain way outside of the ecosystem or has resisted the ecosystem that a lot of filmmakers work within their entire careers, you know. And I think you could, you could see that to some degree in the life of the movie, that it, it didn't show up at Sundance almost exactly a year ago now, you know, with the expectation of being an award season movie. I mean, nobody no. really knew what to do. It's expect. organic. It's Completely organic. organic. I, in fact, I can tell you when I interviewed um, Linklater and, and Julie Delpy and Ethan Hawke for um, Before Midnight, they, they were basically, he, uh, Linklater and Hawke were sort of shy about talking about the movie. They were kind of scared of it. So um, they were afraid to present it in a way. Um, right. You know, but there are a lot, you know, what happens when you go around the circuit, it's sort of fun because you're talking to all the actual Academy members and some of them last night. Today is the deadline. Today is the deadline. You have to get your ballots in. And whenever you hear this, uh, it'll be past the deadline. Thursday, 5 p.m. Pacific time is when every ballot has to be submitted for the nominations. And so, uh, you know, they, I was talking to some screenwriters who hadn't, you know, they still had a couple movies they had to catch up with. And they do, they ask you, they say, what should I see? What should I see? Right. <laughs> you know, I'm saying, Wild Tales right. or, you know, Under the Skin Eat or, it. you know, yeah. whatever. Um, and then and then there, there are some people who, uh, who are still... Um, you know, wondering, like, today I, I'm in Palm Springs at the festival, and I did an interview with Chaz Ebert for Life Itself, and she, you know, she's concerned, you know, that Citizen Four is right. going to be the top I contender heard those for, concerns too. for the documentary. And it, it must be so grueling, too, you know, I mean, Chaz Ebert, not somebody who's ever been on the award circuit in this capacity before. You she, know, too, exhausting. has been on it for a year. Yeah, exactly, and then to all of a sudden have your narrative interrupt in the fall season by this other front runner. I mean, it's just got to be such a, you know, even if you... They you might have see, been the front runner if it hadn't been yeah. for that surprise entry at the New York Film Festival. And it's hard to understand exactly what that feels like, even if you do think, you know, the Oscars are just, you know, a bunch of hullabaloo for people who buy into them. When you're in the thick of it, you know, it's it's a totally different story. But, I, but let's get into this because the best picture race is so fascinating. You know, we were talking about Boyhood versus Birdman over and over again. This past week, I've only really been hearing from my end about Boyhood, but that's mainly because I've been seeing those guys everywhere. It was on Monday, the New York Film Critics Circle dinner, where we knew Boyhood already won. They were there. 
John Stewart presented to the movie, said some really great stuff about it. You know, the whole team was was sort of moving as as a unit. And then, you know, later in that week, the, there were two lunches that I went to back to back, and and the the Boyhood team were at both of them. It, one was for uh, Film Comment hosted a, a lunch that was for its uh, best movies of the year list, and the whole team was there. And then they went down the street for a lunch for the Cinema Eye Awards, where they awarded Richard Linklater a heterodox prize. Um, which is sort of uh, meant to recognize films that are narratives but have documentary components to it. So I was just seeing these guys everywhere, just nonstop. And I was then they were having a good time at the party at the Chateau Marmont last night. I can report to you. Exactly. So just a number of hours later, there they are, you know, and yet the story isn't over yet. But we're seeing this huge push for boyhood down to the finish line. Are we seeing I think something? The, I think boyhood is still um, the, at the head of the... I have no evidence. I have no reason. There's nothing that... that I mean, I went through, okay, I went through the nuts and bolts is what I have to do every year in order to really make my nominations predictions um, accurate. And what you do is you look at all the guilds and you look at every single category and you look at which guild voted for which category, which film and which category. And you really do try to put it together by the numbers because you can add up, you know, the actors are a huge contingent and then you have you know, a smaller number of directors or writers, and you can kind of categorize the different crafts as being more sophisticated, perhaps, or more visual, and then you can have the the mainstream. And, and so that's how you can sort of look at a movie like American Sniper, which I did not think. I really didn't. I looked at that movie very carefully, and I assessed it, and I did not think it was an Oscar contender. So I may have been wrong right because you it's heard it big, here first folks <laughs> well it's a big hit it's a big hit yeah. in in the box office it's a big hit with the the art directors guild nominate now remember the guild nominations sometimes have more categories and so they have more slots mm. but that doesn't mean it gets into the art directors nominee i don't think it does i don't think i personally don't think it's going to get a an art director nomination but but it could be in the sound nominations it could be it could be direct Clint Eastwood, hugely popular person, yeah. you know, and it could make it squeeze in into the even with very, very few nominations. This does happen once in a while to something like Extremely Loud, um, Incredibly Loud and Extremely Close. That movie, it didn't have hardly any nominations, but it got a Best Picture nomination right. anyway. And that happens when you have the the publicists and the producers and the and the executives, you know, the people who aren't necessarily representing a particular um uh, category actually voting for it. They're the more right. mainstream members of the Academy. Right. And so I thought Selma was going to have the late surge. Right. That's the one I thought. And or even, even Unbroken. Yeah, I was going to say Unbroken is sort of the secondary one. So That one has fallen away. Yeah. I mean, it could that could get an art direction or a cinematography prize for uh, a slot for Roger Deakins. But, but, the, but the real um, surge is occurring apparently uh, because Producers Guild, Art Directors Guild, Writers Guild. That's very significant that American Sniper got in there. Yeah, and and the NBR thing, you know, uh, we've talked about it before. It's sort there's some doesn't really reflect things. anything. No, but yeah. I mean, there was a huge standing ovation for him, and it's just a reminder of just 
how, how well popular he is. Right. Yeah. It's like they, they're not going to reward him for, you know, Jersey boys or something. But if Clint does, you know, a proficient job, it means something different than if somebody else had made that. That's movie. true. I and mean, clearly it is true. And we can't underestimate that. So suddenly I've had to change a couple of my picks. And so I've added American Sniper to if there's 10 of them. If there's only eight, maybe it doesn't get in. All right, so yeah. let's go over that because I don't I don't have a list like that. It's not it's not quite my beat the way it is yours. But we because I, I know there's a lot of interesting contenders uh, outside of the Boyhood Birdman contingency. So so what else are we well, looking? Well, if at? you go through and you really look at the number of nominations that each of these movies is actually going to get, if we just did it in that order, the one that's going to get the most nominations is Birdman. And if you think about that, it makes sense because it has all sorts of visual technical stuff that Birdman doesn't, I mean, that Boyhood doesn't have. And then the performances as well with right. Keaton and actor, yeah. Right. So Birdman will get a like, like seven, right? Okay. And then, and then you have, I think, Gone Girl, Budapest, um, and, and Boyhood, and um, they could all get five, six, you know, four or five, six in there. Gone and Girl, then, well, is it Gone Girl? So that's, I mean, Gone that Girl's was really, doing very well. Because it, because it did so well commercially. We dug into this a couple weeks back, right? That, well, it's that's more than that. It's, it seems to be more popular with, with, with the guilds, too. And, and, and so, you know, people are predicting that Jillian uh, Flynn gets, uh, you know, could win an adapted screenplay, which I find sort of interesting. Yeah. You know, um, so we'll see. We'll see. So then, then you have Whiplash is doing very well. There's, right. there's really no reason not to think that Whiplash is going to be right up there. Yeah. Selma maybe four if they're lucky. Yeah. If Ava DuVernay really does get nominated and Oyelowo gets nominated. Now I was all excited about Selma. I thought it was going to do great. Now I'm a little more nervous yeah, about well, it because the LBJ thing hurts it. That that is a development that took place since the last time we recorded this conversation among. You know, historians saying that the movie portrays LBJ as as less supportive of King, King's efforts and, and almost uh, trying to foil them in certain scenes. And that he was more of a laggard. I mean, he was more delaying. He was more not on the same page as far as the timing. But I don't see him. People who say that he's portrayed as a villain are really overstating yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it does he's seem not like, portrayed as a villain. I mean, it does seem like there are echoes of the Zero Dark Thirty situation with the torture story where. So, whether or not this was planted by somebody with an agenda or it's being, you know, sort of pumped up by somebody with an agenda, it certainly does sort of feel like it's 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 gotten out of hand, you know. It's, if it's not, someone like Harvey Weinstein decided they wanted to knock this one out because they were worried about imitation game, I'm just saying if. Right. Okay. So I'm just suggesting if. <laughs> right. It's on the such record. If were to have occurred, then, you know, they they may have succeeded. Right. So what else are we looking at? You got down to um, so 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 th- those are the that you know Brut- by the way Grand Budapest Hotel this is a great year for Fox Searchlight doing really really well. Wild is doing well not in the Best Picture race but as far as Reese Witherspoon and uh, screenplay are concerned. Yeah. You know and then and then something like Nightcrawler could get two nominations. I don't imagine it's going to make it into Best Picture unless there are ten. If there are ten. Then I think Nightcrawler and American Sniper are the ones at the bottom of the list. Yeah, I mean, Nightcrawler is an interesting one. I've been hearing secondhand that a lot of people admire that movie and enjoy it quite a bit. So there might be something interesting going on there. And I think that's also um, Cynthia Schwartz 
you know, who who knows this game pretty well has been has been working on that strategy for quite some time. She's done very well. With She's done very well. Yeah, so, no, and, um, and Open Road, who's, which is run by a guy named Tom Ortenberg, who used to be at, at uh, a number of other companies, including Weinstein Co., and, and he knows how to play the game. Right, right. So that's a really interesting, diverse set of movies, all of which I think are pretty good, too. Well, so. well, there are, but the thing that's interesting, too, is that if you um look at the list there's a lot of small scale independent films on there not big blockbuster films like interstellar isn't going to make it on there and this is of course the academy's worst nightmare right right so you know that the people at the academy are like crossing their fingers and just praying to god that you know american sniper and gone girl and and uh nightcrawler you know some of the more popular films actually do make it on right well, especially since it wasn't a part of the whole reason that the 10 slots yes. were created. I yes, mean, was, and, was and what happens that. a lot of the time is it ends up being a lot of little independent films. So if this is yeah. the year of Boyhood and Birdman, yeah. you know, an imitation game and Theory of Everything, which are the ones at the top, Grand Budapest, you know, these are independent films. These yeah. are not going to drive an enormous uh, viewership around the world. I mean, in some ways it seems like it's the apex of what, you know, the Weinstein Company was able to do or you know what before they were the Weinstein company with what what Harvey you know sort of Miramax. was able to do yeah. and Miramax with award season and, the, and yet the irony is that their original you know best picture contender imitation game is really not getting much traction at all now well no it is it's in there it's totally in there it's like the third one down but Imitation Game is a movie that I, I hear that people respect. It just doesn't seem like there's... It's doing fine if you look at the Guild nominees. That's really the way to look at it, is just where where do they get... You really do see where their strength is. You, you just category by category. It's going to get screenplay. That's a big group, the writers. It's going to get actor for Benedict Cumberbatch. It's going to get supporting actress for Kira Knightley. You know, but even so... The it, question the is whether it gets director. That will yeah. be a very good sign of its strength. If it gets more Morton Tildum, who hasn't been brought up by anybody yet, that'll be a sign that it's very strong, actually. I, I'm pretty speculative about it. I mean, I just, even even with the Guild nominations, it seems to me like it's a movie that I hear much more division on than any of the other films on that list. I want to suggest to you, Eric, that you and your um, um, posse, the people you hang out with, are more sophisticated and more cr- critic-like and and that if you were thinking about the masses of the academy voters the 6000 people who are in that group the the imitation game in LA is a, is a popular title well it's interesting i mean i'm not going to argue with you on that point but I, I what i'm wondering is you know to what extent when these nominations come out because you know first thing thursday morning where that's all everyone's going to be talking about uh to what extent once they come out does it matter that we have a huge crop of nominees when, you know, at the end of the day, probably only some fraction of those have a real chance of winning. You know, let's say that you're completely right and these are the eight nominees, which would be amazing and you should put some money on it because you'll probably get really rich. But, uh, you know, those are the movies that we're actually talking about. If it's Boyhood and Birdman and all those other things... Does that mean that it's going to be either Boyhood or Birdman at this point, or do we see some kind of dark horse possibility for any of these movies? I used to think that the dark horse was Selma. I no longer 
believe that. So then, by that logic, are we are we kind of we are at looking at, yeah. at Birdman and so Boyle, yeah. Bird, so that that's basically what the race is going to be. So maybe but we but, but all the categories are very obvious. You know, yeah. Julianne Moore, um, Michael Keaton. So you think um, okay, that's it. So in the in the performance categories, Julianne Moore it's all, is a lot. Yeah, you think J.K. Simmons? A, yeah, J.K. Simmons is a no brainer, but right, but, uh, Keaton as well for actor. You think is a yeah, I think so. So, I mean, I thought, I thought if if there was a big groundswell for Selma, that there could have been a groundswell for her for a Yellowo, but I don't, th- I don't see that happening anymore. So the, it sounds like the only sort of unknown variable when we're looking at you know what might be locks is uh, director, right? That because that group, but remember that they only have five slots, and and Best Picture has way more. And the thing about that too is they're the weird, they're the very, very strange, sort of very foreign, very high end. You know, of all the categories, the directors are the brainiest, the most demanding. You know, they're the ones who put in Michael Haneke and and Ben Zeitlin. You know, so they could do something weird. Uh, anything is possible with that group. They could just deny Ava DuVernay. Oh, they God. could. They could decide to to. They will certainly deny Angelina Jolie, um, and 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 they will go for, um, you know, will they go for Morton Tildum, one of their own, or 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 Bennett Miller? I mean, Foxcatcher is an interesting question. That's sort of been on the cusp of looking like it was faltering, but it's doing fine with all these guilds. It's doing just fine. So that that basically covers all the major categories. I mean, it's interesting to look at screenplay. You mentioned earlier with uh, Adapted, that's Gillian Flynn being a, a front runner possibly for Gone Girl. For original screenplay, uh, are we looking at Birdman? Is that a does that seem like a lock, or is there something a little quirkier and, and different? Boyhood. Does Boyhood seem like a real screenplay contender? I mean, yeah. I, I'm I'm pretty curious about that one because it you know. It was written in this piecemeal process, and it, you know, it's... Does it know not... All the more reason to recognize what he pulled off, you know, writing again. He would call up the people and and talk to them and find out what the kid was doing and say, go write down dialogue from your date, you know, and put it in. Give me that. Email me the dialogue from your date, you know. He was was working it. He had through through lines. He had things that paid off. He he did some some amazing stuff. I really think uh, the writers are probably aware of that, you know. Well, I guess the real reason I'm taking it back by it because I think if it wins screenplay, even if it doesn't look that way, it's as radical as as Boyhood winning picture just because it's, you know, such an unconventional process. I mean, as much as Linklater may protest, it is not a conventional three-act structure. It's not elementary, middle, and high school. The way but doesn't he get it. points yeah. for all of those things? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would Isn't hope. Isn't that why he's the front runner? Isn't I, that why I, it's the best picture contender? Because would, of its unique, extraordinary, groundbreaking... People people think this guy has balls as big as the hills. Yeah, I know, but you just got done telling me that people like Imitation Game out in L.A. more. So Not more than Boyhood. So, it's, so, they, so they like their respectable, kind of safe entertainment, but they like the kind of groundbreaking stuff more. That's you true. call imitation game respectable, safe entertainment. I do believe that is a rather remarkable screenplay to this day. You know, it's, it's solid. It's did solid. they fuck up on on putting in a sex scene? Sure, that was a mistake. Yeah, I'm sure they realize it now. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so I guess the only other category we haven't talked about, uh, you know, the, the, as far as the ones we know much about and, and should probably consider at this juncture is um, foreign language, which uh, was interesting. I believe we didn't really get a chance to dig into the shortlist uh, that came out where there was one significant snub, two days, one night, the Darden brothers once again. Which I didn't think was going to get in. You know, I, the, the Dardens are, are, if there was a Darden brothers movie that would have gotten in, it would have been The Kid with a Bike. That's the most accessible movie they've ever made. The most narratively sort of engaging. This one, you know, this is typical Dardens. I mean, I love them. Right. But but it's not for the mainstream of the Academy. The only reason why I would say otherwise is because they do like Marion Cotillard. I mean, she's an Oscar winner, and it's a great Marion Cotillard performance. It is, you know? but it's very blunt. It's very. Um, uh, realistic and 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 you know naturalistic and 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 she's depressed i mean it's not <laughs> sorry i think it's a great performance and so do the critics countless critics have voted for it but yeah. it, that, that the, the, this was a very very rigorous um strong group of 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 nine films and and i it have, is, yeah. the ones i predict to be the, the final contenders are the ones that we've been sort of focused on all along. You know, the the force majeure, as you mentioned, and and um, wild tales, extraordinary wild tales, the extraordinary Ida, um, right. and uh, the one that I think has the real uh, stuff to maybe win, which would be uh, because it's usually a movie that makes people cry. It's and that would be Timbuktu. Timbuktu is, a, is, a, is an incredible movie. I mean, outside of it, you know, just the the emotional component, it's beautifully done. I mean, it's just a really, it's a really accomplished film. I mean, those are all really good movies with very different kinds of experiences too. You know, Wild Tales is this kind of like savage comedy about sort of you know social maladies, and then you have something like Ida, which is this on the one hand kind of austere black and white drama, but it also has this like really lively character at the center of it. So I mean. That crop of movies, I mean, if if it's the ones that you're saying here, I mean, that will be probably the the most interesting category, I think, overall. So I'm really hoping that, um, you know, all of those movies get a nice sort of boost at the beginning of the year from these nominations. But uh, since we don't, we, we really don't know until we get to next week, maybe we should turn to uh, focusing on the movies that we do know that aren't part of the Oscar conversation, at least in the way that we've been talking about them, because they are just opening in theaters this week, uh, and we can talk about them that way, so you can go see them in theaters. Uh, and do you want to share your pick for the week? Well, I was just going to say go to see Selma, <laughs> you know. Cause but it's not because wider. it's an Oscar movie. It is movie. going wider. It's because and, it's uh, in theaters. Yeah, it's in theaters, and and uh, it it you know it 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 needs to be seen, and 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 I I feel very strongly that uh, that Duvernay just did a fabulous job on this, and I'm also sort of sorry back to the Oscar conversation, a little bit sorry that she didn't get credit for the screenplay with Paul Webb, uh, who who had a solo screenplay in his contract, and she knew that when she there's a photo up on Facebook of her sitting in somebody's house with all the cards for all the scenes, you know, working feverishly on the script and yeah, it's her script, you know, and it's really too bad that she isn't going to get credit for it because she could have gotten in there. I think it, they would have been wishing her well on that level. Um, I, I would so. also add the, um, the value of, of seeing the movie for the, for its imagery and because it's, it's a real opportunity to uh, kind of see the career of Bradford Young, the cinematographer yep. evolve. And he also shot a most violent year, which opened in limited release 
just before New Year's and is, is actually doing pretty well. And uh, both movies, I think, are really great testaments to the, to the way that his kind of the scope of, of that he brings to certain stories is, is really a big part of how they're told. Uh, certainly Selma with its crowd scenes, but also in a most violent year, the way that it captures the landscape as having this sort of identity that taps into the internal lives of the characters. So, um, so yeah, that's definitely, um, uh, you know, what we're talking about are sort of the, the un- worth seeing more- on the big screen. Yeah. It's worth seeing on the big screen. And also with Selma, screen. especially with a crowd, I mean, people cheer people. It's really exciting to see that movie in a theater. So the movie that I'd like to single out is one that has absolutely nothing to do with these conversations whatsoever. Um, I didn't even realize it was opening this week until I did some research into what was opening this week, and it happens to be opening at New York's Anthology Film Archives. It's called It's Also Quiet, and it's a movie I saw at the Berlin Film Festival last year. It's a Dutch filmmaker named Nanook Leopold who previously made a movie uh, called uh, Browning, Brownian Movement, and um, it's this really remarkable kind of tone poem uh, about this uh, middle-aged man who lives in this mostly empty house and his ailing father lives upstairs. And uh, the ailing father can't stand that his middle-aged son, who he doesn't really get along with, is caring for him on his deathbed. And so they have this weird kind of disconnected relationship, but at the same time they can't escape each other because they live in this uh, country house and there's nothing around. And so most of the movie uh, is told through kind of the sights and sounds of these men kind of slowly moving around this house. And there's this internal mystery for the first hour or so of, you know, what is the nature of this relationship and how did things get so icy? So by the time it arrives, it it really has this kind of profound emotional impact. Um, The movie is, I think, to some degree, very experimental in terms of how these things unfold. There's very little dialogue, and it is mostly told in images. And so I think that's part of the reason why it's getting, you know, this very small release in New York. But it's it's certainly a filmmaker worth keeping track of, Nenu Leopold. And um, I'm sure the movie will be available on other platforms at some point in time. Um, if not part of the Oscar conversation at the end of this year. Um, So I hope that people do check out It's All So Quiet. On that note, I guess we'll just uh, regroup next week. We'll do a postmortem on the nominations, and, and, we'll and uh, you know, if you uh, you know do do uh, do check, I'll do a, a, some analysis on the on the blog that morning. But uh, that's that's what we'll be up to. And then the Critics' Choice Awards are that night too. So that's a that's a packed day. And of course, we'll also be able to unpack the Golden Globes a little bit for whatever that's worth. Indeed. So. It's interesting that the Globes are actually breaking. What's going to what what it, what it means since the ballots are due today is that whatever wins at the Golden Globes, it will only have an impact on the people who are already nominated. If you see what I mean, it won't have any impact on the nomination process. But it's a really fun party, so it is a series of fabulous parties, and I always look forward to. The weekend is packed. There's a an indie spirit brunch and a BAFTA tea and parties on Saturday and then parties after the Globes on Sunday, so don't feel sorry for me. Hey, <laughs> you have such a hard life, Anne. Oh, babe, I didn't love no one but you. Oh, 